You're listening to Earth Matters, Australia's national environment social justice program, broadcast nationally through the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Beck Horridge. Today's show was made on the lands of the Muwinina and Palawa peoples on Nipaluna country, Hobart, Tasmania, and on Widjabal country in the Bundjalung Nation in northern New South Wales. I'm your host, Beck Horridge, and today we'll be joined by guest contributor Sean O'Shaughnessy. I'm very pleased to have with me Clip Harmison, who is a 47-year-old veterinarian and peaceful forest protector with the Bob Brown Foundation. She was sentenced to jail for peaceful protest in Tasmania's threatened forests back in mid-July and has today been released from her three-month sentence. Colette, thank you for joining Environmental as Anything today. Thanks for inviting me to speak, Sean. Well, it's important that your voice is heard. A lot of uh, time and energy has gone into as trying to suppress your freedom of speech, so uh, I'm glad to have you here with us to voice your concerns. Can you tell us uh, a bit about the background of your story? Can you tell us how and why you ended up being arrested and put in prison for three months? Yeah, sure. I've been uh, pretty active with like, nonviolent direct action for about um, 17 years now and uh, have been arrested uh, over 20 times for peaceful environmental protests. Um, most of those arrests have been um, locking onto machinery or gates or blocking roads uh, to stop work in areas of forest where they are logging uh, native forests, uh, forests that are uh, special to many endangered species, but also just home to all the fantastic um, native wildlife that we uh, we call our own Tazi special wildlife. And so that's a, a you know a, a big commitment over a long time. And 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 what so what was it the specific event that uh, that brought you to where you are today? Uh, well, I guess it was a cumulative um, effect of all the you know continued um, arrests in Tazi forests. Um, I I feel like uh, the government is spectacularly ignoring um, really good science and uh, really good scientists who have have shown um, irrefutably that we are doing the wrong thing when it comes to climate. And one of the ways that we can protect and help our climate is to protect forests. And so I, um, I decided that uh, because the scientists were being ignored, something a little bit more stronger and uh, heavy-handed needed to be done. And I guess that was uh, that's where I got involved in putting my uh, body on the line to try and um, physically stop these um, vandalism acts in the forest from going ahead. Mm, yep. And so it was, uh, it was mining in Tasmania's northwest that you were actually arrested for protesting on this latest occasion, wasn't it? Yeah, so in Takaina Tarkine, um, there's fantastic rainforest there that um, that will blow your mind away if you ever get to see it. And um, basically, they're planning to um, to dig open cut mining pits uh, to retrieve um, minerals out of the um, out of mountainous areas covered in ancient rainforest. And uh, I'm outraged 
that they would even contemplate doing that. Um, you know, the the effects would be um, permanent and disgusting for the landscape. And uh, so, yeah, I decided to take a stand with all my um, activist colleagues and um, stop work there. Well done. The uh, the magistrate said that you would no doubt learn a lesson from your imprisonment. Can you tell us what lessons you've taken away from your period in t- inside uh, the, the the jail? Yeah, yeah. I've had a uh, um, fairly long amount of time to think hard about um, rehabilitation and that sort of thing. I think it's pretty obvious that uh, people don't really uh, get rehabilitated in the in the jail system. Um, I think if they did, you know, there'd be less reoffending uh, environmental activists like myself. They'd probably um, they'd probably have to try and force me to stop caring about the environment in order to rehabilitate me. Mm, mm. Which and, obviously they didn't do. Well, that's good news. I mean, you've you've spent a lot of time. You haven't just been a protester, as I said earlier. You are a vet. And you've also you'd worked for eight years uh, in the uh, the Tasmanian government's Save the Tasmanian Devil program. Uh, yes. You know you 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 are a scientist uh, and you understand uh, the science around uh, ecology. Uh, what what do you think uh, is the disconnect here in in Tasmania and in Australia for the protection of our forests? Why are, is not the, the scientific argument being listened to by our government. So so basically, I think um, the governments just want that uh, jobs and growth approach to pretty much everything. And if if they uh, continue with that kind of um, attitude, then we're going to uh, have some major crime, climate change uh, implications. And uh, yeah, we're we're going to end up in a really really terrible state. Mm. Uh, mm. That's probably going to need far more repair than we could ever do if we stopped buggering it up right now. Mm, mm. How does it actually feel to be to be out and to be free? I mean, I, I feel a little bit like I'm dreaming. Mm. I don't really feel like I've woken up and gotten out of bed yet. Mm-hmm. All my fantastic supporters were there with me in Parliament lawns and it was warming and beautiful to be with them all and uh, they made a song about doing it for the forests and it was, you know, really lovely. And so um, I'll just have to uh, take baby steps and work out how to, how to be a responsible adult in the real world uh, and get back into activism in the best way that I can. Mm, yes. And the um, that support has been uh, fairly widespread. And, and uh, I know up here in Lismore we had a rally for forests and you were able to phone us from the prison <laughs> briefly, which was, uh, which was a welcome uh, lift for us all and inspiring for everybody there. How, how has yeah. that support been felt by you? Have you, have you been aware of the, the levels of support in the community for you while you were locked up? Definitely, I've felt a whole lot of support while I've been uh, in jail. The whole three months I've had people writing to me from all around Australia and, and even overseas. You know, I wanted to to inspire other people to to get active and, and do something for the environment and for Tassie's forests. And um, I I think maybe a few people have been inspired and that's that's the, the main thing. Um, but also um, very excited um, to be able to feel the love from everybody. It was really exciting, like <laughs> ringing into the um, to the rallies, both the one in Hobart and the one in 
Lismore and um, Violet Coco is actually in Tassie with me at the moment. So that's really exciting. She came down uh, to, to visit today. And um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I was punished for uh, ringing into those uh, actions, but uh, it, was, it was certainly worth so much more than the punishment that they dished out. Mm, yeah, and, and punishment was another issue that, uh, that, it, that I, I thought we should talk about. It seems uh, strange that you should be punished for, uh, for, for protecting the, the life support system that, uh, that we all depend upon. But, uh, you know, what was the experience of uh, being inside that prison like? Was it, was it terribly punishing to actually be in there? How, how, was, how was your interaction with uh, other prisoners and, uh, and the, the authorities inside the prison? Look, um, I made a lot of really good friends while I was in prison. Um, the ladies, the inmates, um, I found them to be friendly and approachable and, and really lovely, and I enjoyed the company of those inmates at, at the Mary Hutchinson's Women's Prison. Uh, and, and that really helped because, you know, they were supportive and kind and friendly, and uh, I was felt really fortunate to be able to experience that. Um, yeah, so that was that was a pleasant surprise with mm. the whole jail situation. Mm, mm. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. It, it, it doesn't. And so, so what next for you? What do you think you'll be doing next uh, regarding? Well, you know, today and then for the rest of you know this year and and onwards for uh, uh, for, for your future activities. Do you do you think you'll be going back to protest in the forest? Uh, what, what, how do you see uh, the future? Well, Sean, I can't wait to get back into the forests. It's been a long time since I've actually been allowed to be there. I've had bail conditions for uh, since June last year that have prevented me from going more than 30 k's from my, my home, um, which has excluded me from um, well, most of Tasmania. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to be able to go out to those forests and, uh, and protest in those forests. I don't plan to get arrested. Uh, but I certainly plan to protest. Mm, yeah, well, good on you. And what will you be hoping from others who have, uh, you know, who have heard your story and and maybe inspired by it? What would you ask them to do? Uh, I think if they haven't yet discovered nonviolent direct action as a training exercise, it's it's where you learn how to be um, a, a better activist and understand the situation that you're going into, so you can be best informed of how to how to approach it and how to respond to whatever happens. Um, I'm going to be running NVDA trainings uh, in Hobart or in the forest, and I'd encourage everybody to, to get involved in those. We run them for free, uh, and uh, you can look them up on the Bob Brown Foundation website. Great. Yeah, get trained up, get ready to get into some direct action. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, look, Colette, I know that you must be uh, in demand. I saw you hugging your mum uh, earlier on, a, yeah, on the live yeah, stream. Yeah. Uh, there must be lots of people who want to give you a hug and, uh, and, and be able to uh, spend, you know, you'd like to spend some time. Perhaps you'd like some, some alone time. I don't know. Thank you for sharing your story today. We really appreciate it. That's okay. And uh, let's go save those forests. Let's get out there and end native forest logging, eh? Yes, please. Dr. Colette Harmson, reflecting on her three months in jail for standing up and protecting native forests in Tasmania. Interviewed by Sean O'Shaughnessy. 
Where the slope's too steep We'll give the conservationists the creeps Playing with our Tonka toys I've got a chainsaw I've got a bulldozer And I've got a logging truck We don't care about environmental impact We're only in it for the bucks Mate, we want to cut We want to kill We want to bulldoze that bare hill We don't care who pays the bill Cause we're playing with our Tonka toys Tonka Toys from Nefa's album Lock On Songs to Save Australia's Forests. Find it on Bandcamp. You're listening to Earth Matters, broadcast nationally across these stolen and unceded lands via the Community Radio Network. It's at the World Environment Day celebrations in Mwollomba, and after hearing Darlin Pugh from the Northeast Forest Alliance and Susie Russell, Vice President of the North Coast Environment Council, giving uh, lectures to a packed tent about the many values of forests and why we have to protect them now for the climate emergency. After hearing them, I had some questions I wanted to ask them about who are the vested interests in the North Coast logging industry. Who benefits? And, of course, it's all about following the money trail. Like any industry, ultimately, one could cancel the timber supply agreements, Darlin Pugh says. I think we're, we have an un, unprecedented opportunity at this point in time. We have um, a, a change in government at the New South Wales level and a recent change at the federal level. We have the ALP in power. Um, which uh, uh, they're less tied to the local timber industry. So there's, you know, there's some very rich sawmills out there who regularly donate to um, the National Party and keep, keep them in their positions. But now we have this change. So our problem now is that the, the unions have a lot of influence on the ALP, um, particularly the CFMEU and the AWU. And so they're now the ones who are interested in keeping logging going. But I think the evidence is quite clear that um, logging is unsustainable economically as well as environmentally. So we even had the previous Liberal government in New South Wales wanting to end native forest logging. And we had the National Party saying no way. But the, the point being that it just it costs too much money. It costs uh, New South Wales taxpayers too much money to log their native forest for Little return. So in, in northeast New South Wales, it's about 500 people employed in logging public native forests. And uh, uh, across New South Wales, it's less than a 1,000 people. Uh, that's nothing these days. That's, that's a very small workforce. It doesn't provide much benefit to communities. And all the economic assessments show that uh, the state of New South Wales and the regional communities will be far better off economically if we stop logging, we can make more money from carbon sequestration and storage and uh, certainly have far greater benefit in terms of carbon sequestration and storage from allowing our forests to regrow to allowing our forests to um, uh, produce more water. You know, as they mature, they, um, like a regrowth forest, we use two to three times as much water as an old forest. As the forests mature, they restore that, that water to our streams and we need that uh, with increasing desperation, uh, both for aquatic 
uh, species, but also for our regional water supplies as climate change bites, particularly in drought periods. Uh, and um, tourism is a major industry now on the North Coast. That once upon a time used to be logging, now it's tourism. And there's far more money to be made out of people coming to the North Coast to go and experience the natural beauty of our, of our forest. And a lot of people come here for that reason. They also spend more time uh, here to go and visit the forest. And so everyone who goes and spends time in the forest is spending money in the regional economy. They're buying food, they're buying fuel, they're getting accommodation. All that is a driver now of our regional economy. So there's no doubt it's just uh, ludicrous to go on logging public native forests. There's no need for it. We don't, we've got uh, no shortage of alternative uh, timber products these days. We don't need to log our public native forests. We don't need hardwood. It's a luxury item. Uh, flooring is the main purpose that's used for uh, economic uh, value of, of uh, logging public native forests. And there's no shortage of alternative products we can use for flooring. And, you know, Things like uh, composite timber, where we get small timber, making to larger timber, has taken over and is uh, is cheaper than uh, than cutting up uh, big old, you know, hundred year old trees, cutting down koala feed trees and using for flooring is just no longer acceptable. Um, so, if we were to follow the advice in Mark Diesendorf's recent book, The Path to Sustainable Civilization, and form groups to pressure vested interests to bring about these changes that must happen. Who are the vested interests in the logging industry? What have you penciled in there on your power map, Susie? Well, I think one of the big players now is a company called Pentark. They own um, most of a lot of the big wood industries in Victoria. They've bought out Boral, which used to be the biggest player in New South Wales. They've also bought the Eden Chip Mill. So they are actually the biggest player. Now, there's some speculation that they bought in thinking that the writing was on the wall and they just expect to get a really good payout uh, when the end comes. But at the moment, they seem to be very much a a private company. So there's not a lot of um, information about them. You know, they don't have the sort of public accountability that a public com- publicly listed company has. And they seem to be the ones who are certainly the biggest vested interest, apart from in the area where we are now in northern New South Wales, there are a number of big sawmills that have been in the family for a couple of generations. They are big supporters of the, particularly the National Party. Uh, And if they need to support the Labor Party, then they do that too. So they certainly are the, are the sort of power brokers in that regional sense. But as as was pointed out, they don't have huge workforces. So uh, they're not as important as they used to be in the regional economy. And, yeah, I think they're, they're, they're our main players apart from, um, I mean, there's this talk that the unions are a key power broker in this, but this seems to be a, a sort of a hangover from the past, really, because the unions... Uh, like the CFFMEU and like the uh, Australian Workers Union, they don't have they don't have a lot of membership in the North Coast logging industry. Uh, the contractors aren't unionised. The big workforces are in the manufacturing sector. That is basically a pine softwood plantation base. Yes, there are thousands of workers involved in that, but they 
they're not affected at all by a decision to end native forest logging. If anything, they're advantaged as more money is, is put into looking at a future in, in softwood plantations. My question always remains, have we just got a cultural thing happening here where it's just very slow to change culture? What they think was a good industry that employs people in the regions, etc., just isn't anymore, but we're just so slow to be able to change a whole culture and way of thinking. I don't think most people support native forest logging. I mean, we've seen plenty of surveys now that show that if you ask people, they would much prefer to see the forest protected for wildlife, water and carbon. But Susie, I saw those surveys 20 years ago. What is going on? It's another example where what the people want, the people are not getting. And the vested interest doesn't even seem to be very strong. I mean, surely there must be some evil devil sitting there just brainwashing everyone in Parliament or what's going on? Well, they, they obviously have good lobbying and they have good um, uh, uh, access to politicians and, um, you know, there's a lot of money there. They make a lot of money out of, um, the, out of the public purse every year and they make massive profits. So, you know, they've got a, a lot in their favour from a political standpoint that uh, we poor um, volunteer lobbyists don't have. Uh, we very, very rarely get to meet the politicians. Every now and again we do, but... We don't have the sort of access that they have. But as you say, it's, it's a hangover. It's, it's from a past when logging was a major industry and when it was a major industry in rural areas, and it's not anymore. You know, it's a, it's a, you can close down public native forest logging tomorrow and it'll have virtually no effect on any rural uh, communities. But there's also all this alternative employment generated through uh, tourism, through um, uh, managing our forest for carbon sequestration. But also fixing them up, you know, they've been so degraded by the last century of logging and particularly has become more mechanised in the last uh, couple of decades. We've got lantana rampant through our forest. We've got areas of forest dying through Belmire Associated dieback. We really need people out there fixing them up. We've got all this erosion going on from old logging roads and tracks and so on. We need to repair those to stop that soil going into our creeks. You know, there's many lifetimes worth of jobs repairing the damage the loggers have done. Um, you know, ideally, they should be paying for it, but no, again, it's going to be the taxpayers. But we've got to start on that now because we need to restore the resilience of our forests so they can better withstand the ravages of climate change that are upon us now. And uh, the only way they're going to survive is if we help them recover from the past degradation so that they're uh, stronger and uh, more resilient to um, fire, to droughts, to all those sorts of problems. And not just the forest, but also all the inhabitants within it. Okay, is there anything else? I think there's probably a measure of corruption involved in the renewal of wood contracts. So uh, what we've seen now, probably over 30, 40 years, is that uh, the Forestry Corporation um, basically sets an amount of wood that can be taken Those uh, contracts are signed between themselves and uh, various logging companies and then that is the reason that is used to continue. So uh, last year we saw those contracts extended uh, before the, not long before the election. So um, sort of last gasp, National Party in government, let's give out, um, let's renew logging contracts with um, some of our key supporters. No uh, transparent assessment of whether the wood was there, what the impacts of that would be. It was after the fires. It was after there were all sorts of calls from people for a decrease in the sort of intensity of logging. 
But no, they went ahead and signed the contracts. I've got so many questions for you two, but I think we're going to have to wind it up and just say thanks very much for talking to Earth Matters and thank you from the bottom of my heart and also so many people who stand behind us in this. It's a very long battle. Uh, no worries. And I'll just mention regarding wood supply agreements. The, the wood supply agreements, which are uh, guaranteed annual volumes of timber, are given to the sawmillers for free. So the, the government, uh, often in 20 years, the most recent ones are only five years long, they, they promise a certain amount, amount of timber every year for that period of time. And if the government doesn't deliver it, they've got to pay compensation to the sawmiller. But the sawmiller pays nothing to get the timber. So we give it to them for free. There's no tender process, no open process where other people can say, oh, I'd like a share of that. Uh, you know, it goes to chosen sawmills and they get, they get compensated for timber can't be provided. So it's money in the bank for them. And this time around, after the fires, there was a major loss of resources because of the fires. The government still committed the same amount of timber they estimated before the fires to the sawmillers in the full knowledge they wouldn't be able to supply it. So we, we have this money compensation going to those individual sawmill owners. It doesn't help the workers or anyone else like that. It goes to the sawmill owners. Uh, it's, it's money in the bank for them. And that's a tradable commodity. They can sell that to someone else. Um, you know, why wouldn't they take it when it's a gift? And thank you again to Dylan Pugh from the North East Forest Alliance and Susie Russell from the North Coast Environment Council. And check out the websites for those organisations. There's plenty of suggestions of things that you can do to join the massive battle that is currently on to stop native forest logging in Australia. It's about time. Anyway, we have to because of the climate, which is unravelling, and forest is one really great thing we can do to sequester carbon and stabilise the climate. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environment Justice Program. If you've missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3 cr .org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced on the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or go to our Facebook or Instagram page. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters. Here's one from the Northeast Forest Alliance playing with your Tonka toys. We want to cut, we want to kill, we want to bulldoze that bare hill. We don't care who pays the bill, cos we're playing with our Tonka toys. I'll cut the snig track, and I'll block the creek, and I'll cut the trees where the slope's too steep. We'll give the conservationists the creeps, playing with our Tonka toys.